Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition. We have a very special show for you today. Today's show is a live presentation that I gave in Dallas, Texas at the Real Estate Guys Secrets of Successful Syndication Conference. This two-day conference is held twice a year in March and September, and if you're interested at all in developing larger portfolios of real estate, this is definitely a conference you'll want to attend. Here's my keynote address from the Secrets of Successful Syndication. Well, thank you, Robert. Put up your hand if you are uncomfortable asking for money. Good. I've got great news for you. In this business, we almost never ask for money. And that may sound counterintuitive, and I'm not just going to be playing with words, but at the end of this talk, I hope you're going to be convinced that we're going to be taking a completely different perspective. Now, I wrote the book Magnetic Capital because I actually learned how to raise money in the tech industry. My background is as a microprocessor designer, not the typical career path into the world of real estate investing. I learned to raise money in the tech industry. It's much more difficult to go out and ask for $50 million for an idea than it is to go after a business where you've got a lot of market data and comps and all the rest that can show demonstrably to the marketplace that you know how to make money. If you're going to do something that's all futures, that's a giant leap of faith. When I made the transition into the world of real estate development and real estate investing, I had to relearn that process all over again. When I did, I discovered it was exactly the same. And that was the impetus for writing the book. So please go buy the book, I need the money. (laughs) Also the host of the Real Estate Espresso podcast, this is a daily show seven days a week. The audience are folks like you, sophisticated investors. This is not for the rookie audience. These are short, literally your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing, so be thrilled to have you as a listener. What I discovered along the way is that in order to accomplish absolutely anything in life, you need three things. Number one, you need the knowledge. Congratulations, you've come to the workshop, I've taken the course, got the certificate, I'm all set. I'm sorry to tell you that's not enough. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there selling the promise simply on the basis of a course. Then after that, you'll run into these folks. These are the mindset crowd. They'll say, well, what you need is you gotta have the mindset. Yeah, that's it. Go get yourself some mindset because you're in the wrong mindset. Because you're gonna encounter difficult times and you need the emotional fortitude to overcome those difficult moments. I'm sorry to tell you that important as that is, that too is not enough. The third thing, and this is where the secret sauce is, is you need to be in the right environment. That is the game changer. You've heard this a few times in different words today. Do you have, put up your hand if you have a home gym, or do you have a spin bike or something like that? I have a spin bike at my house, and it's a great bike. It's a Schwinn, I love it. Why would I get in the car, drive 15 minutes to the gym, to go in a room full of 30 bikes with an instructor at the front of the room? It's not to tell me how to operate the bike right? It's to be in that environment. I will get a better workout in that environment than I will sitting at home by myself, maybe looking at Facebook or whatever. It's just not going to be the same. So it's all about environment. Why do all the elite figure skaters in the world, even though they compete, train together? It's all about environment. 
It doesn't matter what you're doing, get in the right environment. Well, congratulations. You've got a lot of that here in the room today. So it's not just about the content, it's about who you hang out with. It's been said who you hang out with is who you become, and it's absolutely true. So what do I do today? I'm not designing microprocessors anymore. I build stuff. Build apartment buildings, senior housing, condominiums, a little bit of food and beverage, some self-storage. So this is a, a, a residential subdivision that we're building um, in Boise, Idaho, and we'll be doing a little bit of a case study on that this afternoon. And last year we completed a senior housing facility. This facility won the Senior Housing News Architectural Design Award on a national basis for 2021, which was kind of cool to get that national recognition. Yeah, thank you. We obviously don't go into this to win awards, but when you design something that is really meeting a need in the marketplace, it's because you've done something a little bit different, something that's really addressing a need, and when you capture that in design, I'm, I'm a product designer, that's what I learned in microprocessor design is to design products. And when you t view the world through that lens, you view it very, very differently. And that's what we did here is we designed not just a building, not just a piece of real estate, but a complete product offering. And I think that's why we got recognized. I don't want you to think that I started with anything particularly special. This was my very first investment. It was a one-bedroom condominium within four blocks of Parliament. I live in Ottawa, Canada, famous in the news for a couple of other things in the last month or so. But <laughs> and, and that building was actually a, in, in the heart of it. That was my very first investment. I started in the business specifically delivering a, a product for those medium-term tenants long before Airbnb existed for those folks that were parliamentary staff, embassy staff, military officers that were coming through the downtown on a medium-term basis. Hotel was too expensive for them, a suite hotel was too expensive for them, so I designed a product that absolutely met their monthly housing allowance. I knew what that number was and what product could I deliver that would meet that need. So I took a very product perspective even with my very first single real estate investment. So I started just like many of you with one single family, one one bedroom condo. We all started in the same place. What I want to talk to you about today is how to raise money. And the good news is you never actually have to ask for money. What I do instead, and I would suggest that you should do as well, is rather than asking for money, offer people the opportunity to collaborate with you on an opportunity. Doesn't that feel a whole lot better? And it's not just being clever with words. It's a, it's a completely different perspective. It's a different context. And when you, come, when you approach it from that context, it changes the nature of the conversation completely. What I discovered in the tech industry and then rediscovered again in the world of real estate investing is that raising money is remarkably easy as long as you obey the principles. And there's five, and I'll go through them here. But when one or more of these principles are missing, then raising money becomes incredibly difficult. So, number one, relationship. Number two, trust. Number three, results. Number four, you gotta have a compelling opportunity. And number five, alignment. We'll go through each of these. So number one, relationship. People invest with folks that they actually have developed a relationship. Put up your hand if you would part with hundreds of thousands or millions of your hard-earned life savings with somebody you didn't know. Okay, a couple of hands going up, but most hands are not. So it really is about relationship. 
And I'm not talking about networking. You know those networking events where the, it seems like the game is to collect as many business cards as possible? That's not, that's very utilitarian. Networking is utilitarian. Link to the word use. How many people would like to be used? Put up your hand if you want to be used. Nobody wants to be used. Especially if you have money. If you are, if you have money and people know you have money, then your, your guard is up automatically because you know that people want to develop a relationship with you for one reason and one reason only. Because you have money. Well, guess what? They don't want to be used any more than you or I do. They're human beings just like everyone else. So it starts with genuine relationship. Now, you can get different things from different relationships, and you want to contribute to those relationships as well. You might get a friendship. You might get advice. You might get introductions. You might get access to opportunity. You might get access to some capital. You might get, I don't know, credibility. All of these different things you can get from a relationship. But if you're walking around the room looking around to see who has dollar signs on their forehead, then you're approaching it from the wrong perspective. It all starts with genuine relationship. Number two, trust. This is not just, are you dealing with an honest individual? Of course, that's foundational. But it's a more complex psychological contract. It's questions like, can I trust you to put together a good plan? Can I trust you to execute the plan? Can I trust you to hire the right team? Can I trust you to communicate in an open and transparent way? Can I trust you with my money? Can I trust you with small commitments? And on and on and on and on. And if any of those are missing, it starts to erode and chip away at the trust. It's built over time. Linked to that is results. What's your track record? Show me you know how to be successful. Show me how you handle things when things were difficult. What happened if you lost some money and you had to make it up? Show me your track record. Now you might be thinking, oh wait a minute, I'm new to syndication. How am I gonna raise money if I don't have a track record? And how am I gonna develop a track record if I can't raise any money? I'm stuck, it's a circular argument. Well, that's the mindset of someone who is in the classroom about to take your grade five math test, and if you collaborate with your partner, that's called cheating. But this is a team sport. So if you don't have that track record yourself, then go find someone who does, and either bring them into your team, become part of their team. Now you can start to borrow some of their track record legitimately because you've earned it. They're actually part of your team. I feel perfectly comfortable, perfectly confident as a real estate developer. But I'm relatively new to this game compared to other people. So my partner, Bob, has developed over 10,000 units so far in his career. He's developed over a million square feet of post-tension beam construction concrete. Now, I'm getting technical, but the point is he has a track record where mine looks like a rounding error next to his. So when the question of track record comes up, I push Bob to the front, and that's perfectly okay. So bring people into your team or find a way to join a team. Doesn't have to be forever. Could be for a period of a couple of years where you get to work with them and develop your own systems. And now you can borrow from that track record legitimately. Next, you've got to have a compelling opportunity. And this is where most people start. They think it's all about the deal. I got a deal. You want a deal? I got a deal. And it's never about the deal. This is almost one of the last things it really starts with all those other things. Now, what is a compelling opportunity? That's a little bit like saying, is this image on the magazine cover beautiful? 
Well, it's a little bit in the eye of the beholder. For one individual, that definition of beauty might be a medical office building at an 8% cap rate with 90% occupancy. For someone else, it might be a storage facility where there's a two-year waiting list. Everyone's definition of beauty is going to be a little bit different. For us, we're looking to do projects where we can generate at least a minimum of 30% return net within 24 months. So we're, it, it's all different. You just got to be very clear on what your definition of beauty is. I'm going to give you a couple of examples of ways that you can create value. And it's all about valuation. It's not just about arbitrage and making a few nickels here and there because you found, bought something for 10% less. Yeah, you'll take that when it happens, but that's not a deal. At least not the way that I think about it. One of the strategies that we use is a strategy called buy on the line, move the line. So what is that line? That line is the line between the hot, gentrified neighborhood on one side, where you've got the Starbucks and the bookseller and the gift shops and all of that, and then you go two blocks on the other side and you're in the hood. And every city in America has that. I mean, think about your home city. I can guarantee you that line exists. Now that line should be an arbitrary line, as it often is. It doesn't exist for any reason. It's not a municipal boundary. It's not a school district. It's just because it is. Well, if you buy just on the wrong side of that line, you can buy at a discount to the marketplace. You can redevelop on that line. And guess what? The line is now on the other side of your building. And of course, you can do that again and again and again and again. Now, if you just do it once or twice, it's not enough. It's not enough for the market to take notice. But if you put a little bit of scale behind it, then all of a sudden the market says, oh, the line has moved. I get it. Now, you're not going to get maybe 100 cents on the dollar for something that's just on the wrong side of the line. But you'll get 96, 97, 98 cents on the dollar, and you're typically buying at a discount to the market. So there's opportunity to get outsized returns when you take that approach. This is just one example. I could give you a dozen, but we don't have time. The reason I, could, I would want to give you a dozen is to show you that there's a system. Because one's a fluke, you know, two's a lucky streak, but when you've done lots of these, there's a system. This is a nine unit. It's three triplexes on uh, Thompson Street in Philadelphia. Uh, we bought the land for $130,000. At the time, our construction cost was around $112 per square foot. And hard construction costs, it's more than that today, obviously. We spent about 260000 in soft costs. These are things like your architecture, your engineering, insurance, all of those um, building permits, all of that. Our total investment was $1.42 million. It appraised for just under $2 million. We refied out of it, pulled out 100% of the invested cash, gave it back to the investors, and then we were left holding an asset at 72% loan to value with no cash tied up in it. That's your proverbial no money down deal. Now, you could sell it, and actually we did, um, because we got offered a stupid number for it, but if you sell it, the question then becomes, you've got this thing with infinite return, what are you going to buy that's better than that? Because the sale is a taxable event. So maybe you go through the argument, all right, I'm going to take the money in and go buy two, or something like that. But oftentimes, when you get to that point where you've got something that's that no money down deal, why would you sell it? So I'm a big fan of being a collector of real estate, cash flowing real estate. This is another example. This is a few blocks away. This is um, on the 2100 block of North College Avenue. 
in Philadelphia, almost a carbon copy. Again, I just want to show you that it's a system. I'm a huge believer in economic fundamentals. I believe in the laws of supply and demand. If you violate the laws of supply and demand, you do so at your peril. So we're invested in markets where that supply-demand mismatch exists. There's a lot of places in America where that exists today, or at least it appears to exist. We're very active in Boise, Idaho. There's less than a month of inventory. Days on market's very short. So we're building residential subdivisions in that city. We've got several projects underway there, and we'll do a case study on it this afternoon. We're messing around with new different uh, product types. This is a, st a stacked townhouse concept, uh, which we have not built yet. We're toying with it and seeing where it will fit. We're very active in Ottawa, Canada, finally. This, is, this was a very expensive market. This is where I live, and also very, very tight market conditions. What's driving things in our market is immigration. Canada is a small country, population of 40 million, and last year we brought in 402,000 immigrants. That is, on a percentage basis, a very high percentage, especially compared to the United States. And the projection is that we're going to continue to bring in about 400,000 immigrants a year for the next three years. The simple question is, you bring in 400,000 people, where are they going to go? Because Toronto's full, they make 38,000 a year in, in units. Ottawa's full, like, where are they going to go? So there's always this upward pressure where the demand is exceeding supply faster than we can build. So this is one of the projects we're doing. This is a 91-unit condo tower. Our all-in cost is around $550 a square foot. Sale price would be around $900 a square foot. There's a reasonable margin. Um, and it, you know this, this is the kind of stuff we like to do. The last element is alignment. This is finding that perfect fit between the goals for the money and the goals for your project. And it's like a pair of shoes. I mean, imagine for a moment, think back to the days when you could go to the mall, I know it was a long time ago, and you saw this beautiful pair of shoes, and my gosh, it's your lucky day they're on sale. But if they don't fit, you're not a buyer. It doesn't matter how beautiful they are or how deeply discounted they are. If they don't fit, you're not a buyer. And that's the mindset that you need to have when it comes to looking at and assessing the fit between the goals for the money and the goals for the project. If that fit doesn't exist, don't take the money. It's not going to work. So what is alignment? It's a whole bunch of little things, like what's the size of the investment? If you have an investor whose minimum investment is $5 million and you only need 200000 it's not going to work. You'd say, well, why would someone only have a $5 million minimum? Well, it's not worth the paperwork. Their scarce item is time, not money. What's the term of the investment? How, many, how long is the money going to be tied up for? Does the investor need it back in six months or are they fine parting with it for five years? You've got to have alignment on that. So what's the liquidity? What's the rate of return? What's the risk? What's the security? What's the tax consequence? What's the control structure? And on and on and on and on. There's about a dozen of these that you need to assess. And when you have that perfect alignment, then you have a shot at potentially having an investor. Now this, is, this can be seductive, because you, you might hit on maybe 9 out of 12, and something that almost works doesn't. So you want to make sure that you actually do have that perfect alignment. Now, unsophisticated investors are not very clear on their criteria. You ask them, what, what are your goals? They say, well, I want to make money. Okay, what else? Whereas very sophisticated investors, folks that invest professionally, they're very clear. They know exactly what they're looking for. 
And if you don't fit, you're going to get a fast no, which is actually what you want. You want a fast no. You don't want to spend three, four, or five weeks nurturing a discussion only to find that it's not going to work. It's a waste of their time and it's a waste of yours and it's just yuck. So how do you get good? Practice. Get in the deal flow. Start having these conversations, perhaps even before you even have a deal. Say, this is our model. This is what we do. And get very clear on that and start having those conversations. Become part of the right environment. Become part of the community. Congratulations, you happen to be in a right room where you've got a great starting point to be. Join the syndication mentoring club. Ask questions of experts. I often ask questions of folks when I already think I know the answer, but I want to make sure that I'm not thinking just with my own, through my own lens, I want to make sure that I'm thinking clearly. So I often ask my advisors things that where I think I already know the answer. Maybe get a coach. And of course, go buy my book, Magnetic Capital. And with that, <laughs> I will turn it back to Robert Helms. Thank you very much.